0: When we play songs on, on you know Lauren's show and people will message him being like Oh, you know, this song was played at my dad's funeral it's brought back so many memories happy memories or sad memories and all oh, this song is our, our first wedding dance and you know, that again, the power of music because like, music is actually one of the greatest things to ever exist in humanity uh, just there's there's nothing as good as music really
1: Hello and welcome to Freelance Pod. My name's Sachandrika Chakrabarti and I'll be your host. Freelance Pod is all about how the internet has revolutionised the world of work. So each episode, I'll interview a guest about how digital has changed their industry or created their job. If you'd like to get involved in the conversation, I'd love to hear from you. So you can find Freelance Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can join the Facebook group. You can also sign up to the newsletter. This episode's guest is BBC Six Music and podcast producer Shola Aleje. Shola works on Laura Laverne's Six Music show, and she's produced podcasts for Festival, Cherry Healy, and Emma Gannon. My name is Sheryl Olegre,
0: I'm an assistant producer for the Lauren Laverne show at BBC Six Music Um, and I'm also a podcast producer and I've produced podcasts such as Get Off Your Breasts which is a a kind of a round table podcast with Emma Gannon and and Liana Bird and also I produce podcasts for uh, one called Dear 1995 and another one called The Hotbed Collective And various live podcasts, I do quite a lot of those, like
1: at Waterstones, like Soho Hotel, just tons basically. How did you get into the live podcasting? Because I feel like that's got huge in the last few years.
0: It's kind of an accident really, there's an amazing woman called Emma Gannon, she is, so she does loads of events, but she kind of would always basically pimp me out, so anytime someone wanted to, you know, do a live event with her and then wanted it recorded, she'd kind of always mention me, which is great, and just lovely... So I kind of started doing that and then you know some other people got in contact about
1: doing them and it just kind of went from there really. Well how did you meet Emma Gannon then? How did you start working with her? of Control out delete? Yeah so she um, the actual
0: first podcast I did which was with with a lady called Freddie Harrell who's an incredible ASOS influencer on Instagram and then she has kind of developed into like a coach and just does loads of amazing things but when I first started out podcasting I kind of contacted her saying you know would you be interested in doing a podcast uh, and she you know she said she was going to do it and it was great and then she ended up being my first guest uh Emma Gannon and then we kind of just kept in contact from there and yeah we as I said we do loads of events together and it's just so easy working with her her and liana on get off your Breast, i just feel always so much lighter when i when i need them because it's you know essentially three women
1: talking about really important things but also having fun so have you been to some really exciting celebrities houses with that podcast yeah so for season two we
0: um went to well, sadie frost's house which was incredible um is it in like north london yeah, yeah. north london yeah and the good the, 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 the thing about the this podcast is that you get to it's it's an intimate setting and i feel that you know my thing is that when you record at people's houses they are at their most comfortable and when they're most comfortable they're more often than not will open up and kind of say something about, rather than sometimes in a studio it can sometimes it can be a bit intimidating um but i have things like you know even recording with using lab mics uh rather than big microphones and stuff like that it just makes me feel a bit more comfortable so yeah sarah pascoe as well went to her, her flat i think she'd just moved in that was great it's actually that was actually probably one, my favorite episode she's an incredible woman and very
1: wise and then actually, we're recording in your living room right now. You very kindly offered it up because you know I'm I'm just kind of like a nomadic podcaster at the moment, just like popping up anywhere. Well, you know we've gotten really well before, so was like you know I can invite her around to my house. You know she's passed the test; she'll be fine. And I'll just come in. I'm drinking all your wine, but um, <laughs> it's a pretty good wine, isn't it? It's really nice red wine. I I need to try the lavalier thing. So lavalier is like a it clips onto yeah, your it clips on. clothes. Yeah,
0: I mean. I've got I've had, I've had I have issues sometimes with lab mics because I feel like you don't sometimes you can't achieve the best sound possible but it's I think sometimes I overthink these things I think as a producer I just need to relax a little bit so I'm thinking with with get off your breast season three always trying to make it sound better and bigger and better so just trying to figure out the best setup to make people the most comfortable so you guys are in the studio for that one? No, no, so we, I think we are going to still try and kind of go to people's houses. Just because, it just depends really. Sometimes, because um, Liana works at Radio X, so, you know, if everyone's essential, then we can use her studio. So it just depends really.
1: Here, Shola and I compare our experiences of meeting Charlie Brooker through our work. Shola definitely wins because she got photos taken with him. I've interviewed Charlie Brooker a couple of times and I made a podcast about Black Mirror. He was also on the Lauren Laverne show recently, which Shola was producing. Well, I feel like you're better friends with him because you had a photo shoot with him. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I haven't. I wouldn't
0: say the word photo shoot. It was like a photo, I kind of jump. There was it. more than one photo. Yeah, and there were. We had, we, had, we had like a, I guess, a, a very, very mini photo shoot. <laughs> we're talking about Charlie Brooker.
1: I like how we just drew this out. So Charlie Brooker, who I've... I've interviewed a couple of times but I've never had a photo shoot with <laughs> so I think you're winning what was he in for and what was he like so he was on Lauren Avern's show
0: uh we are uh, incredible producer Ash who I love to bits he's great he devised this uh, hour slot thing where we get kind of guests in for a whole hour where they talk about what they're plugging but also play their favorite tunes Uh, and Charlie Brooker was in for an hour, and he was incredible. I was super nervous to meet him, obviously being a big Black Mirror fan. He was great, and he's very very humble, and he's one, you know, we had, like, kind of just chat, just shooting the breeze, and just had, you know, random chats, but for someone of his intelligence, he has a real knack for making you never feel like you're stupid, and that's a rare thing. He was great, he was lovely, and um, I asked for a picture, uh, and i don't often uh there's only since i've started the job actually it's only been him and paul weller uh so i've kind of i'm, I'm quite good at not asking for pictures um but uh
1: he's in good company yeah he's, good. he's in good company so weller has <laughs> yeah. been in so, what's that well has yeah, been in so you've paul had a photo weller, yeah brook has had an entire photo shoot yeah what about spring scene well, we've never had spring scene we're just looking at it. for context we, i've got a big
0: kind of springsteen uh, picture on my wall uh, i've never met springsteen that'll be the dream i don't know what i'll do for him. <laughs> uh, if you're listening bruce mm. um i've met steve van zandt from his band but not so you've got one degree yeah, it's a one degree separation <laughs> look at someone like charlie brooker he's like oh my god he's achieved so much and he's done this but i think the actual reality of it is that you know he's had an idea and then it's like him probably in a dark room not being able to see his family and kids for a while and having to do loads of rewrites and dealing with loads of people but you know but after you know but when when it's all done you just see the awards you just see you know kind of the finished product but I think it can be quite stressful um but he you know had he mentioned that when talking on air, and it was really interesting because think it can help writers to realize that it's not all just about the end product it's about kind of how you cope with the process of either writing or kind of getting ideas together and stuff
1: how do you think the conversation around radio has changed with digital so you used to only have phone-ins yeah maybe the occasional letter Mm -hmm. but it would come in so long after the show now you have to constantly be looking at social is that something you do Yeah. so basically in our on our
0: show we obviously print out messages and kind of it's very interactive text. It's it's great because you get that immediate hit of interaction. So that's that's quite interesting. And you know, emails and yeah, just kind of keeping but it, it just it it's kind of like that validation to know that you're doing a good job. You know, we play like when we play like we have this segment called People's Playlist on Lauren Adventure, which you know, I loved, we, we love we have to get clips for, which is great. Um and to get people kind of immediately responding to that, that's great. Um, And just also the music that we're playing And you know That's why I love radio It's that You know radio is that person Who is in the house with you When you're on your own And yeah it makes you feel like you're not alone Like I had this weird thing when I was growing up And one of the reasons why I loved radio Was because having a radio on Was always different to putting a CD on Like I felt I felt more safer when the radio was on rather than putting a CD on. It's almost like when a presenter was talking, it was like they were talking to me. And yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, that's... Yeah, and I I just kind of try and think why... I've always tried to kind of decipher why I love like radio. Because it's you can kind of get lost in the world of it, the politics and the bureaucracy and everything. But ultimately... It is because I'm a I'm a crazy music head. Like I'm just obsessed with music. Like I, I'm I'm just so obsessed with music. That's that's like you know, which is interesting because I work I do podcasts. But since I was like as as early as I can remember, I just was obsessed with music. Radio was instrumental in me finding out about a lot of music. You see my like, record collection over there. That's, I was playing Barry Manilow yesterday. It is vinyl. So, <laughs> I was really enjoying it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that's. I get the most joy. I've listened like I got, I got a bunch of seven inches yesterday, and before making dinner, I literally just would just play them and have like a glass of wine. And that's I don't know. That's just like my my therapy, my de stress for the day.
1: So we have Spotify for the music, yeah, and we have podcasts for the chatting. And you're kind of in one mood or another. What do you think? Like you do love I radio? Think it though. depends what show it is. Like someone like Sean Keaveny, who um, I've worked on the
0: show quite a lot in the over the last year. And he is an incredible broadcaster. He's someone who—I mean, him and his team—not to be biased—but I remember the first time I worked in the show, I was so nervous because I was like Sean Keaveny. I'm like in love with that man. <laughs> like I have to like play it down when I see him around because he's just so cool. And he doesn't think—he doesn't think he's cool, but he's so cool. And he carries that show, and you know, he does like obviously a lot of talking. And it's weird, like music is kind of the backdrop, and it's the kind of like the break from his great talking so i think that's a, an example of like kind of talking and music just working together um and also he, yeah he's just jokes and just just i mean we, we literally sit there me my producer ash we literally just sit there just laughing and when we get in, in the morning because we're getting at eight so we've got like the last two hours of his show um but for me personally i like i, I like to kind of split them up Uh, I like to listen to podcasts I like to have like Right okay For example It's a Wednesday Today's high-low day And uh, the high-low podcast Which I love Uh, And Or Desert Island Discs Or something And I kind of need to be In uh, The right mood I I do find it hard to Mix the two In a weird way But I guess what, For example What BBC Sounds are doing Is quite interesting Because they're trying to like take the element of radio you know so bbc acknowledging that the way people listen to radio and podcasts is well audio is just different to how it used to be and they're trying to kind of accommodate that i think
1: i think they've packaged up radio and i don't i'm i'm not sure people listen like that anymore Mm. i think when people get to choose they're in the mood for music or the mood for company yeah and I think that's why we've got podcasts and music I'm really interested to see if over time BBC Sounds Will start taking the radio shows off And repackaging them As yeah, talking so what and music I mean, For
0: example what they do on Desert Island Disco, People's Playlist On Northern Laverne's show They kind of have it as standalone Segments which kind of run Later on in the week Or the, like the next week so I guess certain people Might just listen to Lauren's show For Desert and Disco So it's like them Listening to like You know Half an hour of music And No chat Or People's Playlist Which is like Clips of music So yeah Maybe people are just like Kind of Wanting to listen to that As a standalone thing I, It's all trial and error I think we You know We we need to be able to Play around with things And see what works And what sticks Because you know, it's crazy with podcasts. It's blown up so much that now the big companies are literally trailing behind being like, oh my god, like well, how do we catch up with this?
1: What makes for a good podcast? Because I was reading something today about um podcasts having a low barrier to entry. But actually there's something I'm learning, you know, audio quality doesn't just happen like that. No. So you can give it completely over to a producer. Um, I've tried I'm trying to learn that side, but actually I'd say the barrier to entry keeps inching up because the more you learn about audio, the more you then hear the flaws in mm. your old audio yeah. and then you try and improve it and people give As you in advice. audio quality? Quality, yeah, yeah not the yeah, content. Yeah, 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 I mean, audio quality can sometimes be something that really
0: kind of eats me up a bit. And it's something that I beat, I beat myself a lot over and sometimes I just have to just chill out and realise that, you know... Not all audio quality has to be like in the studio As long as people can hear you clearly And it's not too quiet or it's not too loud It's not distorting then it's fine um, I think what makes like What makes a good podcast is just Kind of having an original simple idea But I think some podcasts tend to overcomplicate Themselves and you just It's all about stripping it back When you think of really good formats Like if design discs Choose eight songs and talk about them And then integrate that with your How you grew up it's a very basic idea but it works every time and you learn so much from people and it's just about asking the right questions
1: i think as well desert island discs um songs evoke the sense of a time period really strongly So that's why you have a film soundtrack particularly when that film is set in the past and um and also when you're a teenager you're you're so receptive to pop culture when you become any older than a teenager there's no music as good as when you're a teenager there's no nothing's yeah. as good whatever your kids listen to it's never as good it is for them yeah because you're you're open to the world at that point in time then I think you gently close up and you've become the person you are so yeah music is amazing for so, you know evoking that nostalgia oh, and yeah, taking it's back. Crazy. like when you think you God when I was growing up there's a lot of music that
0: I listened to. Back then, which I just couldn't even listen to now, but it takes me back to a certain place. Like even just Desiree or Lighthouse Family, those were like the early. You know, I was so into that music, and it just it it, it evokes. Like I'm just getting kind of goosebumps even talking about. It. It's weird because I don't listen to them now, but I listen to the rate that era. I was listening to the radio. Magic FM was the I, love, I still I, love Magic. <laughs> Ma- magic was the, was the radio station that started it for me. Magic and Kiss FM, which is kind of very two different. Yeah, I was, stations, the kids. I was listening to Kiss. So, from from an interaction perspective, Kiss FM was a massive um, influence on me. Um, Bam Bam and Street Boy, Breakfast <gasps> Show.
1: Oh my God, yeah, you just make me right yeah, back. This is, this, is, this is
0: going real. Like me being <laughs> at school. Yep. Uh, like the, the, my radio was kind of weirdly tilted because that's the only way I could get the reception, and like no one could touch it. It's so, no, no one touched it. Um, but Bam Bam Street Boy, like literally, I was so obsessed with Bam Bam that like I would go to Holloway Road and wait outside Kiss FM, even though it had no idea what he looked like. It was pre Google. Must have been about 14 or something. It must have the
1: quality of his broadcasting. Yeah, the, but the, his, the, his voice made it. And I, I, well, I kind Bam of, of found, I, Boy. I found a picture of him
0: later on, and then I was like, yeah, it wasn't really my type at the time. You know, from that perspective, it was like, the, the that was the power of a like an incredible presenter. Uh, and then from a the musical it was magic Fm. I learnt so much music from magic And like You know When you think about music Evoking re- reactions And emotions Every time I hear Marvin Gaye's Sexual Healing I'm always taken back To a really really hot day When I was quite young And my dad being on the balcony With like a white vest on And shorts And him playing like Marvin Gaye on vinyl And sexual healing And it just reminds me Of blazing So Even though lyrically It's questionable But that song Always reminds me of it, um,
1: The thing is like it's for for parents' generation. You didn't skip a song. Yeah. You couldn't skip a song. Yeah, exactly. It
0: was vinyl. Yeah, it was vinyl. And yeah. was like, I've still got some of my dad's records, which I nicked when I moved out tell my dad oh
1: god my mum had a lot Barbara Streisand yeah. and yeah. a name that I think cannot be spoken by someone born after 1990 because they will never have heard of her yeah. Nana Muscuri oh, I don't know Nana Muscuri oh my god why oh, would you Isn't yeah. she was just massive in the 70s this Greek lady with giant glasses yeah. oh. songs about love and loss I mean I love all of I love I love. she's like bigger in, in really the 70s but then song. nothing now yeah, she doesn't have a digital afterlife oh, wow. maybe I should start the Nana she Muscuri podcast <laughs> yeah, was she real Missing
0: Nana Muscari. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm massively into, like, the music of the 70s and, like, you know, BGS and... uh, I was talking about Andy Gibb yesterday, the forgotten Gibb brother. Um, And he's, yeah, got some amazing disco tracks. Uh, I love, like, you know, Supremes, Dinah Ross and... Motown. Yeah, Motown. Motown. And I'm just kind of sketching over my collection over there. Neil Young and just, yeah, Leonard Cohen, who I got in because of my boyfriend because... You know, we all have this thing about Kind of slightly bittersweet love songs Like at the moment My obsession is Richard Russell from Who founded XL Records And he has this album called Everything Is Recorded And I do these mixtapes Which is basically a mixture of music But with uh, samples and documentary clips Interviews It's all chopped up together And it has a theme And he had this album called Everything Is Recorded Which came out early this year uh, And... I was quite late to the train. I've been listening to it in the last couple of months. I'm just completely obsessed with it. And I do see when I get really obsessed and really inspired. And I'm like, I need an outlet. I, I need an outlet. And I get frustrated. Um, but I've never... But it's weird because I've never... A creative my, about, outlet. But I've never... Yeah, I've never considered myself as like one of those creatives. I'm
1: using inverted commas here. Um, Is this a producer thing? Is this a being... Yeah. Or oh wait, not in front. But you... Did you host your own podcast to begin with?
0: Yeah, I don't like... Um, I don't like talking I love talking But I don't like I'm talking I'm so sorry That's thing I don't like talking In terms of presenting But I like really? Telling a story Through other means Okay get So on. for example my, my The mixtape that I do Is You know It combines my love For documentaries Which kind of Speak for me A little bit uh, And music So I, I like to kind of I guess maybe That's why I like to be a producer I like to be in the background Kind of You know Rather than in the front As a presenter Talking Cause I always feel like I can never get my point across eloquently enough, um, so I try and get that through vicariously through like editing.
1: Well, editing is or, so powerful yeah, in audio. So I
0: like I like editing and making stories through editing and moving things around. I like presenting things. and the editing.
1: I'm just yeah. a megalomaniac. Yeah.
0: So yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. You really you're great as a presenter. I'm just I'm better in the background. Make like literally. Getting a bit of audio And then going to a massive editing hole That's that's kind of where I feel I flourish And it's just f- trying to find A happy medium really
1: Yep Yeah Because um, there can be a point where A person Doesn't ever get the podcast out Yeah Because they're like Oh I've got to do this and this and this first And it's better to get it out Oh yeah massively I think um, I know a lot of people procrastinate
0: and I did too, I procrastinated for a while and then I was like, I just have to do it and I was like, I can't look back on life and know that, oh I didn't do this idea because took myself out of it. There's
1: hard work and it's a bit of risk it's, taking. It's hard, you know, it's hard work and, you know,
0: I've said this a lot, the last two years have been
1: stress you're working too
0: much. I almost burnt out, actually, looking back on it. I um,
1: I think mean, it's easier in a digital age because you can keep saying yes to all these kinds yeah, of side hustles I was doing, and things. I was
0: saying yes, but also because I took a bit of a break from radio about five years ago. I took a bit of a break because I was like, I'm applying for all these jobs at the BBC and I'm not getting it. What's going on? Um, but if I was really honest with myself, I was waiting for that perfect job to come up.
1: I have a theory that listeners these days are either in a music mood or in a I want to hear voices or conversation going on around me kind of mood so we have Spotify for music and then for the other stuff we have podcasts and we also have talk radio which is becoming really big Shaila mentions how she spoke on a panel recently and told the audience that she listens to Nigel Farage and Katie Hopkins on LBC and they were shocked but she makes a really good point to me that listening to them pushes her outside of her comfort zone. She doesn't agree with them, and that's not going to change. But listening to them is the opposite of getting her news and views from within the echo chamber of social media. I think it's really interesting how we're, we're separating spoken word, like LBC, all of these spoken yeah, word radios. I, you know, what, I love, really well. I love LBC,
0: and it was funny because I was on a panel a few weeks ago, and I remember saying that I listened to Nigel Farage's show and Katie Hopkins when she was on there and people was like, what? That was literally gasps. And to go, obviously to go on record, I'm... Politically aligned I, I, to both of them. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely against yeah. both of them yeah. in a very intense way. I, I do not support them in any way. I don't do politics publicly ever. And not that I have a public platform, but I don't talk politics on social media really because it just ends up. I try and talk about it in kind of in other ways, but I felt I remember saying that I listened to LBC um, and their their shows because I think in order for you to get a real idea of why things are happening the way they are, you need to kind of step into the shoes of other people and figure out why they are angry and why they are voting the way they're voting. <laughs> um, and yeah, you need to get in their world well a little bit because I think you know not not sort politics, but you know when you think about Brexit. the you know, it was a massive shock because I remember thinking, no, no, no it's gonna, it's, it's not gonna, you know, people are gonna leave, you're gonna leave, it's not gonna happen. But you, you know, it's, it is. went on holiday, I you know, I, I was yeah, so like, it's like, I was like, it? gonna be fine. Like, but by the next day, <laughs> we, we're just gonna be like a bit of business as usual, and Cameron will be like, you know, shouldn't have done this in the bloody first place, and uh, yeah, so but basically, it's very important, I think. LBC, I listened to it. Quite often to get the views of what other people are thinking, and um, you know, it's crazy talk radio is so popular. I love James O'Brien, I love him to bits. I mean. Would, he works yeah.
1: very well on social as well yeah he's great yeah, he always yeah. explains he's... things yeah. sometimes yeah because, yeah, I, yeah because I think that there
0: is a lot of things that people are very unclear of and he mm. really breaks it down his podcast is really great and he uh, one of my favourite episodes is him and Akala uh, the because he's a rapper activist really fantastic guy but um, but James O'Brien really kind of took a step, step back and realised that actually, you know, there's a lot that I don't know about certain things that he's talking about. And he was willing to kind of, you know, he didn't try and bulldoze the conversation. He took a step back, which was really
1: interesting. Um, I think it's the beauty of getting to do stuff like yeah, this. Yeah. ask asking people stuff and be like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And that's, you know, I've, I've always been like, if I don't know something, I'm like, T-
0: teach me. Yeah. yeah but yeah, you, yeah. I think that comes with age though. You know, now like, I've made the mistake of, for example, taking on jobs where I felt that, because they, you know, they didn't want to spend the money that the, you know, budget constraints and stuff like that. It meant that they wouldn't get the best possible recording. And I'm like, yeah, actually, you know what? I don't, now I'm like, I don't want to put my name to it, so I won't do it. Um, or I'll, if I do it, it's like it's at your risk. We're, we're, we're literally the only generation where we've had both, haven't we? Yeah, like, like just in terms of like, yeah, completely. We grew up, up with that computers and then had yeah. computers, so we we had a life where we didn't have. A computer, and then then we did. Are we digital natives? I feel like I'm a digital native because we got our first computer. I was probably about I was uh, ten. So yeah, so about ten years old. We got some the mid eighties. We got our first computer, but it was obviously Windows ninety five. You could play solitaire and very basic things on there. I'd
1: say we're natives. Yeah. yeah. My dad got me a Nokia thirty two ten. He having, didn't know where I was. I remember having
0: a sixty two ten and thinking. I was absolute badass because I was like, Oh, I've got a business phone, which is a sixty two ten. <laughs> is that um, a business phone? <laughs> it was it was it was yeah, my, my dad my dad was a bit of a Nigerian dull boy. where he You got you the you, best you, phone. Yeah, you you kinda of didn't really ask questions, but you you got a phone and a charger and yeah, there might be some numbers or other people's numbers on there, but you didn't just didn't ask questions. I got a sixty two ten and it was like kind of a kind of a, a, a big slightly bigger. So you delete all the numbers and text messages and then you could always as long as you could play snake, you're fine. Yes. Yeah, so you could play snake, which yeah. was great uh and uh that was i remember i did have a 30 to 10 i remember it being revolutionary when you could do your own ringtones and your own
1: get yeah, your own so, cover
0: yeah but no, yeah it's crazy how it is now isn't it yeah For so, so we
1: flew through that much change
0: i yeah. love the fact that we're the only generation where we had a life without phones and life with yeah. phones we're, we're yeah. the only we're the, our age is the only generation that's, that's why which I'm- is super special I use Instagram as a mood board I don't tend to post I, You know On my Instagram There's there's not that many pictures of myself I don't need to put pictures of me I put Pictures of what I'm into Videos of what I'm into I put pictures of records And You know If I'm If I'm obsessed with Otis Redding One week I'll post a picture of him Being like Oh I've been reading loads about Otis Redding Or Eartha Kitt Or You know Isaac Hayes Or something like that And I just
1: use it as a mood board Like a It's it, And then you kind of get Like-minded people who so music is now no longer like a yeah. one-to-one connection no, that you have with it. Yeah. It's now we can share it. That's that's the difference between the analog and digital age. That yeah. those things you kind of keep in your head. Yeah, we didn't, you couldn't. Where could you share it? You could only share it by telling someone. Well, Exactly, and this is I different to telling more. someone.
0: I've learned so much from people on Instagram. Like I follow some really super, super interesting people. Like this guy Douglas Hart, who's with Jesus and Mary Chain. He. He was he always posts these like really incredible archive pictures from really random films I would never have heard of in my life. And uh, and he's he, he you know, they all become these like kind of mini curators who are just spouting what's in their brain. It's incredible. Like, you know, people like Jarvis Coco, like Steve Mackey from Pulp and just super interesting people and Pam Hogg, who I love, and she's a you know, she posts up like, really interesting pictures and you kind of get an insight into what people are thinking it's it's great actually learn loads from it and i have like loads of folders and stuff like that from you know from fashion to art to music to film and it's just acts as one big pinterest basically
1: (laughs) so i think knowledge is a different kind of concept in an internet age yeah definitely because you can go and find so much stuff you can find other people's memories on Mm. their social yeah it's 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 a black mirror kind of conversation, yeah, definitely. actually. When
0: you really think about it, it's this weird alternate universe where you feel connected to certain people who you've never met, and you know. There's lots but of actually, reasons. that's like radio. When we play songs on on you know Lauren's show, and people will message him being like, "Oh, you know, this song was played at my dad's funeral. It's brought back so many memories happy memories or sad memories and all oh, this song is our our first wedding dance." And you know that again, the power of music is like music is actually one of the greatest things to ever exist in humanity. Like, uh, just there's
1: there's nothing as good as music, really. Um, so if if you if we did your Desert Island Discs, yeah, what would you have? God, oh God. <laughs> there's
0: certain tracks which like have made like massive impacts on my life, like like I rock some music. First, uh, this there's a track called "God Mother of Pearl." It's like the first track which r- was really just completely shook me to the corner I was like, "Wow." This kind of completely blew my mind when I heard it, and it was like it's basically two songs in one. Pink Floyd's a massive, massive influence. Like I love the Wall album, so I'm just going to put the whole of the Wall album as one of, as one track.
1: <laughs> All the bricks in the so, yeah. wall. Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, and also yeah, I went uh, yeah I saw them at Live 8 and still one of the greatest gigs of my life. Just incredible. Captain Beefheart, Ice Cream for Crow is the first song that I saw. Late night on TV, uh, Mars Vault, we were doing an MTV2, like tracks that they were inspired by. And they, they, they started talking about this guy, Captain Beefheart, and he just came up, and I was like, oh my god who's this guy like he's just this guy with a hat this old guy with a hat like go, it's all right you look know, like that and i was like oh my god my mind was just completely blown and i was just like
1: we don't have music television
0: yeah. anymore we yeah, don't need but, you know i mean literally it's so funny because my, my, my so my dad he was obviously his, his bedroom was like above the living room so the tv would always be quite low and i would literally always be sat on the edge of the seat um, to get close to the TV And when my, when I think of memories of listening to music Watching music late at night And like John Peel and stuff like that And just kind of top of the pops And I'd always be at the, the end, edge of the seat But yeah, so Catsy who Me Came on like quite late On on late night TV And it just completely blew my mind I was like, oh my god, this is crazy um, Primal Scream is another one Scream delicate album like m- m- Means, uh, meant a whole lot To me growing up The track come together, that you know samples Jesse Jackson doing like an incredible speech in the sixties. Yeah, I just I'm into so many different types of music. Isaac Hayes was was a massive. I got into him so hard like a couple few years ago, and that shook me. Orchestral Motown sound. Um, Elvis Costello was probably the first artist to make me really think about lyrics. Got vinyl over there. It's it's uh, it's got Oliver's Army. Elvis Casella was what someone who really made me think about lyrics, and I could really because I when I listened to a lot of music, I never really kind of picked up lyrics. And then I got really into like kind of Motown for a while, and like Sam Cooke and Otis Redding, all of that. Marvin Gaye um, massively Trouble Man album. Bobby Womack as well was a really big influence on me growing up. Like just. Yeah, Jackie Brown. I think when I'm watching Jackie Brown, yep. it, it's track across 110th Street. It's about 96. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. So across mm. 110th Street, I think it came out in the late 70s. So there's a nostalgia in the 90s yeah. for the 70s yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So I love a lot of new music, but really my heart is always lied with old music. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the analogue sound, the way things are recorded. Like If I really like a song, I almost immediately buy it on 7-inch to kind of listen to it through there so i did I, another one i well, I bought a robert wyatt shipbuilding track on seven inch this morning because i was listening to um a radio show with damon Alban and richard russell and they were talking about a song and i was like god i haven't listened to that song in ages and i really need the uh, elvis Costello version so then i just went out and bought the seven inch robert you wyatt did spotify what's that yeah i know it was on youtube and i was like i'll oh, just get on seven inch the list goes on basically. I could be here all day talking about all of my favourite
1: artists. I eyes. think the thing you mentioned about samples, and actually, I was thinking of covers. Mm. It's so interesting the way you redo a song. I remember when Killing Me Softly came out, yeah. The Fugees. I really like that song. It's a great song, it's still a good song. Mm-hmm. And my mum started telling me about the original yeah. Roberta Flack song. Yeah, Roberta Flack, yeah. yeah. And, um, it, was, pain with it was only in that conversation, like the two songs are having a conversation with, with each other, but I'm not aware of that first song. I didn't know it. It wasn't as easy to find it yeah. in the 90s. And so she was telling me what that song was like and what it meant and what a big deal it was when it came out and how it sounded different. To other things, it's yeah. a very bare bones soul. I'm obsessed, with, I'm obsessed with
0: cover versions, so like, I think that's yeah. Going to be my 90s next,
1: was big for next, cover versions
0: because yeah, I um uh, as these, these mixtapes I do, which are usually themed. So I think the next one's probably going to be about samples and how the
1: R and B in the 90s, yeah, yeah. yeah. do everything, everything, and all, but also
0: even in the 70s and the 60s, everything like everything's a sample. It's like refer- it's like literature does it, like yeah. r- a reference back to something. But also how like a sample can take elements of. Some- of an an original and just turning something completely new mm. so i was listening to barry manilow last night who did could it be magic which take that did nice and quite a few people don't actually know that, that was originally barry manilow but his song was about you know a, this girl called melissa and it's, it's kind of a love song but then you've got like take that who just completely stripped it down and made it into such like, kind just of dance-y, like dancey yeah, like yeah, you know yeah. could it be magic you know it's yeah. it like a fun song yeah. but you listen to which i've i've got on vinyl for barry manilow it's literally this kind of really long piano led slightly elton john-esque um version but take that of kind of well i guess it's producers and stuff they've kind of just completely reappropriated and made something completely new yeah and that's that's what i've always found really interesting with, with, with samples and um when i when i think about songs that i love and how they've been sampled it's almost like creating a new song with just those same elements you know
1: I don't think we sample as much in a digital age because it's too easy to find the original no I don't know I think you know people still sample stuff loads like you know of of like the last 10 years I suppose bless her she's not around anymore but Amy Winehouse Tears Dry On Their Own is my favourite one of hers and that samples Ain't No Mountain High Enough there's two very different songs but the open it makes the opening of the song more joyous you think it's gonna be an upbeat Amy so her I will survive yeah but it's not a happy song. It's the song of someone quite fragile yeah. singing I will survive. And Ain't even said high enough, it's different. It's about absence making the heart grow fonder, I suppose is the yeah. best way of putting it. But that's the thing with samples, it's like like one of my favourite all time favorite, Gladys
0: Knight doing the look of love and of you know, obviously Dusty is incredible, untouchable, but Gladys just does this incredible version of it And it, she just It just blows it out of the water And just creates like, this whole new song And like Just today I was just We were at work And we were playing Wu-Tang Kang I Can't Go To Sleep And that samples Isaac Hayes' uh, Walk On By Which is a cover of Dion Warwick You know so You just fall into the whole sample upon covers upon samples It's like analogue Wikipedia but, Yeah but it just, it just creates <laughs> like, But that, that I Can't Go To Sleep It's just so angry and Using that backdrop
1: of the Isaac Hayes version, it just, it just works. It just works. While we do keep returning to the subject of music, analogue and digital, here's what Shola has to say about her career so far.
0: I, I love being in the background, making things kind of happen and working in some ways and like,
1: it's like the director of a film, yeah, yeah. You?
0: So like, you know, when I think about Lauren of Show and how Ash, the producer, he kind of came up with that concept of the the you know the, the the hour for the artist or the the guest who's coming in, where you know it's such it's actually a really simple but very effective idea because you know you have somebody comes in and then they choose songs. Uh, and, you know, the, the person listening Could get, like, a completely new view of them At the end of it Because I like, when Paul Weller was in He was choosing tracks like Georgia Smith And Childish Gambino And people think, wow, Paul Weller's into that Like, you'd never think that But I love that that's actually you know, turning on on its head and he was saying how he's influenced by the music that his daughter's listening to. He's telling him about music. So you just assume that he just listens to the,
1: like the Beatles and the Faces or something. You, but you do, like, you know, it had you, to be made before like yeah, 1980. Yeah, 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 But then actually it's like, you know... <laughs> no, a good artist yeah. wouldn't do that. A good artist wouldn't do that. Exactly. They They'd be listening to everything. Yeah, exactly. So it's just,
0: a, you know, kind of breaking down barriers because, you know, also, also as, a, you know, as a black woman who... When, you know, growing up in lo- loving the music that I loved, I was always seen as a bit different because stereotypically, there know, are tribes yeah, around so yeah. the so, music, you know, but luckily, me- weirdly music this day isn't as tribal as it used to be. But back then it was like, you know, you were a black girl, you listen to Ja Rule and which I loved. I love Ja Rule and Ashanti and Mystical and all of that. But then I was also into Alan John and, and I was also into Mike and the Mechanics. So oh it, yes, you know, it, looking it, back yeah, over yeah, my
1: shoulder. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was into Tears of Fears. So it was like... I would say so the 90s, you had Oasis and Blur. I don't think you'd right. have that. I don't think you have just the spotlight and one or two bands in the musical culture anymore. We're all in our fragmented places listening to different things. Yeah, I don't think, I think it was
0: listening to really different things nowadays. It's definitely not as tribal as it used to be.
1: No,
0: before it was like you were into a certain kind of music, you couldn't be into anything else. Whereas now, it's actually encouraged for you to be in those, into those different things. So, like, it's like when, the, when people say ask me like what kind of music are you into, and I'm like, everything. Oh, I don't know. I just just ask me what the last thing I listened to, because actually, one day, like you know, yes, I was listening to Jeremy, except on the way, and then the day before that, I was listening to like Aka Bilk So it's like it just depends what. What mood I'm into? I listen to loads of podcasts, but I've definitely scaled back recently. And I think I do actually think that I think I went a bit overboard, and I and now I'm actually getting back into listening. Well, actually, I'm listening to audiobooks now. At the moment, I'm listening to, listening to Beastie Boys' book, um, which I'm really getting into because it's weird. Because with Beastie Boys, I like I I love them dearly, immensely. Um, but I it's like I never really. Like musically, I was never like a, a massive, massive die fan. I was no. always, I was always a big fan of Beastie Boys, is ethics and what they're into. And isn't that really, interesting? The, you can yeah, I, I, yeah. I, 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 kind of, I'm, I'm really quite good at separating. Like I can be really, but I've listened to like some of the albums, and like, I, I love like a, like
1: a few of their albums. Don't get me wrong. Do you think that? Um, do you take in information better through your ears? Do you think? Do you think you're that kind of person? Uh,
0: yeah, I think so. Like, I'm. I'm Actually, I'm a very visual person, really.
1: I in- think it's weird because... Um, you have to, well, I think it, on the one hand, it might come naturally. You'll know this more because you work with more presenting mm. talent than I have. I think sometimes you have people who have a talent for painting pictures with words. Mm-hmm. And that's why they work well in audio. And on the other hand, with social... I mean, you would, Instagram stories and podcasts go together really well for me because... i'm gonna put a picture of this setup you have here on instagram stories because it's behind the scenes yeah yeah it's something about stories because they get that extra click yeah and i can see everyone who looks my instagram stories and they want to know what i do prefer instagram stories to
0: like for example writing
1: Mm. um i feel like a picture can you know put
0: a thousand words to say that quote but i think i feel like i'm definitely
1: more of a visual person and hearing and i guess hearing as well um but have you if you worked in written media, with, yeah. whether
0: it's digital or print, so I used to be I used to be a journalist, but I really struggled with writing, and I never thought it was good enough. It never came as natural
1: to me. Where did um, you work? What kind of publications? Did so
0: you work it was uh, it was a youth publication called Live Magazine, which was incredible. Like I owe a big part, of my, a massive part of my career to Live Magazine. Uh, unfortunately, those kind of initiatives don't really exist anymore. But I, when I was kind of. I was work, basically when I was when I was like nineteen, I started working for the council because I didn't want to go to university. So I basically worked in housing. Um, my my older sister used to always make me buy Time Out magazine every week, and I remember seeing in Time Out about a Live magazine, thinking, "Oh, this looks interesting." Um, Did it have an exclamation mark? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yes. it had, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was basically yeah. it, it was a South London magazine based well based in Brixton, and I remember doing reviews for i started doing reviews for them because i was kind of i started doing music reviews i remember elbow shepherd's witch empire was one of the first ones i did and uh i started writing but i I never felt 100% comfortable writing but the people there were incredible and they really encouraged me uh and then i went for the editor job which i got so i was editor like 19 for like a couple of years which is incredible and i worked there and worked for the council Lambeth council for two days of the week and
1: yeah, but I never I never got that knack for writing. I think writing about music is really difficult. Yeah. And
0: it's something... I've always found it really difficult explaining why I love music. Yes. So even all of my favourite bands, I couldn't really tell you why I love them, but... Yeah, I, I, I know. You know, it's like, I, I remember that on numerous occasions I've tried to explain why I love Pink Floyd's The Wall album so much. Because it's about how it makes, I just
1: can't do it. And it's something about, say, say Pink Floyd, when you first heard it, compared to how you hear it now and you still feel the nostalgia of when you first heard it mm-hmm. and then when you first heard it, it wasn't when it first came out and so there's the oh but it sounds of like its time 60s and 70s it's quite a layered complex yeah. thing i to
0: explain like why I love the Beatles for example because I never I remember when I was younger I was a bit of a, oh, a silly idiot who basically read too much of the media where basically bands have to be again tribal where it's like you can either only love the Beatles or the Stones where yeah. re- in reality but you can love both bands equally but I remember trying to explain why I love the Beatles and uh, you know I couldn't I can't really explain it like why do I love the A Day in the Life so much like why do I love Abbey Road album like why why am I so obsessed with them like why do I think that they you know why do I get so overwhelmed that I want to cry yeah, so I worked for the council for a couple of years and then I started working at Live Magazine and then I got, so basically with Live Magazine you have to like leave when you're 21 because you're too old, I'm using inverted commas, that try to keep it youthful but not in that kind of anti ages way. Um, it's the Logan's run of magazine. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, and then I worked, I started working for Sony Music uh, in... I worked in PR uh, And then a, a woman who started a PR company I worked with her I st- So I worked in PR which It, it just was not for me um, But in the background I was kind of working in Doing radio, community radio quite a bit I was working at Roundhouse Radio I was doing like Extreme East Radio I was doing loads of like little radio bits And then, yeah, meanwhile I got, you know I kind of got a job at a recording studio And in mastering So I worked there for eight years And in, in that time I was, you know, doing my show at Roundhouse Radio, which was great. And that was a way for me to have my kind of creative outlet. Um, so when you did your show Were you presenting And did you yeah, enjoy so I was, that Yes I was presenting I, I, I kind of enjoyed it But I realised that I preferred to script it and But not actually talk I also did some Best radio stuff In between that Which was unbelievable Actually you know Best radio Was some of the best days Of my, what my it, life What is it best Yeah so Best all Had their kind of You know makeshift radio stations Set up every year and we had a great team. Some of which I'm, I'm still in touch with. Some of the people there. So you'd go just, to Isle yeah, of Wight. Yeah, I went to Isle of Wight, and like I love working at Bestor. And then yeah, I was working at Live Magazine. And then yeah, as as mentioned, I, you know, started doing podcasts, uh, which led to yeah, basically my job at the BBC, really. Uh, and but you were quite proactive with the podcast. Yeah, you went and looked so, up bloggers. Yeah,
1: you found Emma Gannon. I, I looked, found I, I looked
0: up bloggers and just hustled loads and just started producing really going to people's houses. I mean, you know, one a piece of advice I'd give anyone is literally just just do it. You literally just have to go out and do it. Like don't talk yourself out of it. Don't think about it too long. The internet has everything you need. Like you just have to look for it and you have to take the time because I took the time to find the equipment and I went through a stage where I was going to loads of panel talks and it got a bit much because I was like hearing the same thing. And you just kinda do have to be like, right, I'm
1: just gonna do it. I'm really glad I didn't overthink black mirror cracked yeah and what i learned from that experience was how people respond to my presenting my voice because you don't know that until you do it and then this this podcast i have had to think about i've had in mind since i left my last job that i would do a second one but what it would be over time has gone from being about slow cookers and it's gone through many permutations but then it ends this ends up feeling right there is something about having lived to both the analog and digital age if you want
0: to start a podcast Just read up on what you need to do to get started You just need some good equipment A good idea And a rough script of what you need Like a running order or a script of questions um, Don't overthink it And don't be afraid to take a break Because I took a break from radio for a while Because um, sometimes when you're on that train Of trying to be to succeed you Sometimes you can lose sight of what you actually really want And I took, I took a few years out Cause I was feeling a bit, oh shit! Like what? What do I want to do? And it wasn't until taking that break that I kind of actually got. I realised that I really wanted it. And sometimes taking a break means you get the clarification that you really, really, really want this. And so that's like a really big tip. So don't don't be afraid to take a break. I said I, t- I took a few years out, and it did me the world of good. It probably is the reason why. Oh, I, would say, I wouldn't say I've made it But I've got on a foot in the door And Six Music is like My all time favourite station It's It's a station I've listened to For You know Years When They threatened to close I still have my letter That I wrote to them Saying the reason why They can't close And You know Walking in that building every day Is An incredible feeling And I'm not afraid to say that I got it because I worked really hard and you do have to work really hard because it's not easy out there. This is so competitive and yeah, it's so so competitive and people are fighting every day to keep their jobs. So you kind of really have to stand out. And even though I'm in there, like I'm working on like a show and next year I'm moving to breakfast, which is a massive change. And it's going to be basically the biggest, one of the, one of the biggest shows on six music. It, you know, it's tough but you just have to just get on with it and realize actually you know i can do this and, and also another tip is that never think that anyone else is better than you you have to humanize people and realize that everyone is the same and you can be just as good it's weird because i i'm so used to being on the other yeah. side where i'm just doing like silent laughs and nods yes and i noticed that you were doing that yes it's good by the way it's good good Producer,
1: well, yeah, I'm kind of doing both. Do you think it works? Yeah, yeah. Like, possible.
0: Silent, silent laughs are great for editing. So, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I found myself doing both, which obviously you couldn't do.
0: Yeah, the worst thing is when people are like, when producers like laugh and then it's just an absolute bugger to edit. So, silent laughs are great.
1: (laughs) Thanks to and O'Leary for letting us record at her flat and for producing this episode. If you'd like to get involved in the conversation, I'd love to hear from you. So you can find Freelance Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can join the Facebook group and you can also sign up to the newsletter. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.